This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast. As always, your host, Cameron Pichy, founder of Valley Trucking Insurance and the podcast, uh, I am absolutely stoked for today's guest. Um, this gentleman is uh, uh, somebody who I met a few years back, and then since then I've followed religiously from your Facebook shorts and YouTube shorts and the different training videos and the material that he puts out. Um, something that I've talked about numerous times on the podcast and really in the trucking and transportation industry and professionals when it comes to freight brokers and trucking company owners is sales. I think sales is a huge component of success in any level of organization, but at the top levels and your most successful people have honed in and really figured out how to stand out and really open doors. And, and a lot of that, I think, or most of it, if not all of it is attributed to sales. So um, I want to introduce special guest, Benjamin Dennehy. He is the UK's most hated sales trainer. <laughs> Benjamin, how are we doing, man? <laughs> I do very well. It's nice to talk to you all the way from England. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm very honored to be here. Man, I love it. And I, when I was introduced to you a few years back, um, I didn't really know what I was in for. And then I kind of heard you, you know, you started talking and then we started getting into some of the sales things and then getting into cold calls and all these different things. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then as we kind of went through it, I'm like, this guy's a genius. This guy's a, <laughs> just pure amazing. And so ever since then, what's, it's actually really cool. So like in my sales, uh, onboarding and all that kind of stuff and resources your youtube videos show up a lot believe it or not so a lot of my sales people will reference your your sales videos and all your different things which is uh which is really cool man it is i i get that a lot actually i get people say we watch your videos at our sales meetings and we do this and we do that so that's quite flattering to know that uh it's um so popular so uh, it pleases me. It pleases me. <laughs> well, and I don't know if it's your good looks, your charm, maybe your well, acting, whatever, well. whatever it is, man. And the hat is uh, on point. Oh, I remember bro. when you busted that hat out; it was amazing. <laughs> it was great again. Oh, it it it's uh it's classic. So let's quickly just maybe introduce yourself to folks that don't know. Give uh kind of a little bit of a background about yourself, and just tell yeah. the folks what you do and and kind of what's led you up to where you're at now. Yeah, so um, as you said, I'm known as the UK's most hated sales trainer. Um, people always say, how did you become that? As if there's some sort of international body that measures hatred towards uh, uh, salespeople. There isn't. I made it up. It's just like anything. Uh, I made it up. It was a marketing technique. But though, I made it up, though, and this is a true story. Um, when I was setting out, I needed to stand out. And the problem with most salespeople, they're pathologically emotionally needy they need to be liked yep. they need 
to be loved. They would rather not sell. They'd be happy to leave a meeting with someone saying, fuck, that was the best presentation I've ever seen. We can't afford you, but you, sir, are brilliant. That is better than money for most salespeople. So when I was trying to figure out how can I stand out and be different, I went online. And anyone that's any good at sales, how do they write about themselves? Number one. Oh, guru, expert. Guru. Top okay. performer, biggest biller, uh, leader. And I thought, my goodness, they all still want to be loved. What does no one want to be? Hated. So that was it. I thought I will be the most hated person in sales. So that's all I've ever claimed. I've never claimed to be an expert or a guru or a leader. I, all of that's horse shit. What I am is I do what I do. And what I do is very tough, very challenging, very uncomfortable. A lot of people hate it because it's true. People hate the truth. We live in a post-truth world. People hate it. And so I created this UK's most hated sales moniker. Then, of course, the great man Trump came along with his red hat, <laughs> make America great. And I saw that and I thought, I am nicking that. That is just what a perfect lightning rod of hatred than to wear that red hat. So many people, when I wear it out and about, they misread it, you know, because they always think Trump, you know, it's hilarious. So, um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm a lawyer by training. That's another reason to hate me. Yeah, I'm a lawyer, right? Everyone hates lawyers. I trained as a lawyer. I'm originally from New Zealand, though. So that's why I don't sound as... I might sound English to Americans. I don't know. But people over here still hear an Antipodean. You know, they hear... They keep thinking I'm an Australian or something like that, right? Like like, like people confuse Try, you. Trying to figure out where you're from. Can't quite pin it. <laughs> yeah, no. So I'm from New Zealand, but um, I needed a job. And, and, and anyone watching this knows that no one chooses sales. Sales chooses you. You all had better plans for your life. You wanted to be accountants and doctors and lawyers and astronauts. You wanted to be something awesome. And then what happened? You got out of university or you left school and you needed a job. And the only thing you could do was, well, I didn't dribble. I can string a sentence together and I look good in a suit. You are now qualified to be a salesman. That's it. That's the barrier to entry. If you don't dribble in the interview, you're pretty much in, right? And then after a couple of years, you're stuck because anyone who's been in sales realizes after three years, I have no transferable skill set. Who the fuck employs ex-salesmen? Ever seen a sign saying wanted ex-salespeople? Not, not once. <laughs> Ever. They're pretty so much unemployable. You are unemployable. Most salespeople, are, yeah. most salespeople are trapped. They're in a job they don't want to do. They're in a job they don't really like. But if you do just enough, it's okay to survive. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, 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 yeah, I like to say most salespeople are losers. I'm upfront about that. I used to be a loser as a salesperson. But I realized I didn't want to be a loser. I realized that selling was a lot like law. And you could be really good at it or really crap at it. There are good lawyers, there are bad lawyers, and there yeah. are average lawyers. I wanted to be in the top 1%. Well, I don't think it takes much to stand out. I think you figured that out that really just with a little bit of effort and honing of your skills, it's easy to rise to the top, especially in, in, in my opinion, cold calls, because usually the people that are cold calling are either the elite, but a lot of times I find they get busy or maybe soft or they don't get hungry anymore. I'm not quite sure. But then the entry level people are appointment setters and they're not that skilled on the phones for the most part. I get these cold calls every day and I'm like... You couldn't sound any more miserable reading that script to me. It's it 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 blows my mind. So then when I came across you, oh how refreshing was it? You know, because I I I am uh, one of the weird people that 
enjoy cold calling and I got into sales when I was 20. So I started cold calling at 20 years old with no formal training and just straight into the mix. And it was horrible, but it was awesome because like, as you said, the barrier to entry was low. All of a sudden you have some success and it's like, oh my gosh, I could do this. And I just got to talk to people. This is amazing. So when I came across, oh man, it was awesome when I came across you guys. So for those listening, um, you'll definitely want to go find him follow the YouTube, check out the background story. I know you've done actually a couple episodes about, you know, what's led you to this point. And then your business, you're a sales trainer. So you, you will be for hire and you can come in for an organization. You can do virtual. I know you have a a bunch of different platforms for that, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't worry. If there's a way to take your money, I figured it out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's don't the whole leave point without of don't leave without value. I think you got a biscuit one day when you I I, I remember that story. You're oh, in an attorney's yes. office and you weren't gonna get this closed, but you you got a biscuit out of the deal. You had to leave with a shred of dignity, as I think what that you said. Was, I, I it was one of good at my skills. This this lawyer literally just stood up and said, I think you should leave. Yeah. And it got that. And I remember, and I remember, I said, "Fair enough." I said, "To be honest, I'd probably ask me to leave about now too." I said, "All right." And as I'm, and as I'm standing up, I thought, "Well, I got to leave with some sort of dignity. I've got to get something out of this, other than the lesson which I did take." But I needed something more. And I said, to, "I said, can I ask one last question before I leave?" He said, "Sure." I said, "Can I have a biscuit?" And he said, uh, yes, of course. And it's those little biscuits you get in a packet of two. Oh, you know, yeah. The, like on the you, airplane or whatever. Yeah, like on an airplane or in a hotel room or whatever. So I took that packet. Of, and I still have it to this day. I kept it as a reminder of one of the worst meetings that I'd ever had. But the lesson I took from that meeting, I've applied, and it's made me a small fortune. But And this is what I try to get across to salespeople. To get really good at this, you're going to have to fail really badly. You have to be willing to completely fuck it up and that's one of the challenges most salespeople have ego pride they want to look good they want to look polished they want to look booted i watched every single colombo movie you know the tv cop colombo oh yeah world's greatest salesman because no one knows he's a cop they think he's the janitor or the caretaker or they think he's just some member of the public who stumbled across the scene he was so bad at being a policeman that he always got his murderer because no one, everyone underestimated him. Everyone thought he was an idiot, didn't know what he was doing. And I, and I, I watched his movies and I said, I'm going to be like that, by, but in sales. And that's how I did. I don't take pens to sales meetings. You know, never take a pen. And I go, can I take notes? And they say, sure. And then I'll just start looking for a pen like Columbo did. And then... Everyone can't, they're watching you struggle. And this is why I do it. You see, the easiest way for a human being to feel better about themselves is to find someone not as well off. So when you're struggling for a pen, they all start to feel good. Yeah, look at this, look at this loser. He doesn't even have a pen. Look at this knob. I, I can't feel threatened by anyone that doesn't bring a pen to a sales meeting. meeting. Right? What sort of idiot? So then they have to loan you one. And then when they loan you one, their mum gives them an internal pat on the back and says, Aren't you a nice guy? Look at you helping out this guy. So now they feel good. Now I'm doing this deliberately to manipulate them. I want them to feel like that. I want them to feel their guard lowering because this guy's not a threat, but then I can do my job of grilling them and questioning them, making them realize, oh my goodness, this guy's actually quite good. But the defense, so it's all a routine. Everything I do is an act. The hair, the braces, the hat, it's all manipulation. 
like yeah. a good salesman should be a master actor yeah. with great psychiatric skills <laughs> yeah and now <laughs> is some of this from your attorney days like with the negotiation skill set and all that kind of stuff or is this self-taught or did you have a mentor how did you come up with figuring this stuff out or did school of hard knocks did you just learn it's a combination of a lot of things so one thing law taught me is that everybody lies all of the time yes They'll even lie to their attorney where it's total privilege and nothing you tell the attorney can be shared. They lie to you because we're embarrassed. Whatever reasons, our motivation, yeah. doesn't matter what it is. We hold stuff, and we don't outright lie. We hold stuff back. And we say, well, I, I won't mention that because that's probably not important. So I learned that everybody's never telling the truth. But I also know that in sales. I know I lie all the time to salespeople. We all do it. It's perfectly legitimate to lie to salesmen. You watched your mum and dad do it your whole life. It's acceptable almost. Acceptable. <laughs> you can lie to a salesman and still go to heaven. I think even Jesus probably said to a street trader, I'll think it over, I'll be back. Never went back. <laughs> right? Because there's nothing wrong with it. You're allowed to do it. Yes. So when I moved to England, I needed a job. And I couldn't practice law because they have a slightly different system and they wanted me to do some retraining. And I didn't want to do retraining. So yeah. I had to get a job. What do you do if you're a qualified lawyer? No other skills. Well, you got the gift of the gab. You're, you're quite good at debating and arguing. Sales. So I, I fell into something, needed a job. So here I was. And what I discovered very quickly, or what people would tell me, was I had an amazing ability at getting people to want to meet me. I could phone up and I could get, I could cold call. And I remember one of my clients, I ended up setting up my own business, just doing cold calling for other people, one man band. And one of my clients said, you're really good at this. He goes, he goes, why are you so good at this? I said, honestly, he goes, yeah, honestly, I said, I have no idea. He said, you need to figure out why what you do works. Because if you can figure out why it works, you'll make more money showing other people how to do this than doing it. And that's what got me starting on my journey. And I realized a lot of stuff I do, I um, I did uh, naturally. Like I, I always, I used to put on a fake stutter when I used to cold call because people can't hang up on a man with a disability. That's just wrong. <laughs> right? So I used to put on a fake stutter and always act slightly confused. And people gave you more leeway and latitude, which meant I could talk more. So I met a sales trainer uh, who'd been around for some 10 years, I think. And he introduced me to psychology, um, a thing called transactional analysis, and he's explaining how people communicate. And when I saw that, I had a light bulb moment. I said, like, oh, my goodness. This explains everything. Now I get it. And then I would listen to him talk to people and how he'd question them and say, why did you do it that way? How did you do it? And he showed me certain things. So I decided I want to be better than this guy. And then I realized as I started to study this more that selling was just like law it was a process it was a system and yeah. that the buyer had a system and i don't have one and that's why they win more than i win because their system is really good and it's designed to protect them i started calling it the the sales matrix so the sales matrix is this as a prospect, I don't have to tell you the truth. That's the first thing. I can embellish. I can lie. There's nothing I can say that's beyond the power. So I can say I'm the decision maker when I'm not. I can say I'm not the decision maker when I am. I can say I have no money when I got loads. I can say I've got lots of money when I got none. I can say it's urgent when it's not urgent. I can say it's not urgent when it isn't. In fact, there's literally nothing I can't say. So once I realized that everything they were saying was not true, well, that was interesting. Second thing, 
Prospects always want what I have, but there's one caveat. They don't want to pay for it. Yep. So the next thing about being a prospect is my job is to lie to you about why you're coming in. You're really very interested in trucking services. We're thinking about getting a new delivery, a new supplier. We're always interested in seeing what, come and see us. And then they invite you down, but all they want to do is plunder. They want to steal as much. So do you do this? Do you do that? Who do you work with? How long would it take? What would you suggest? How would you recommend? If you were us, what would you do? Have you ever seen anything like this before? Explain to us. And you answer, because your whole life you were programmed from childhood that you have to answer a question whenever asked. So it's a yeah. habit. So you answer. And you think as a salesman, because you're answering these questions, that you're winning over the prospect. But actually, they've just turned you into a free consultant. And as it comes to an end, you, the salesman, try to close them. You go, well, look, Mr. Prospect, Mrs. Prospect, what do you want to do? How do you want to move forward? What's the next step? And at that moment, they put up a big hand. He goes, ah! And then they misdirect. And they have three ways they misdirect you. Stalls, objections, or higher authority. They go, ah, look, Benjamin, look, look, look. Like I said, I've enjoyed this chat. I think you can help us. Budgets won't be set until next month, so I can't make a decision today, but leave it with me. I need to go and discuss this with my lawyer, my chiropractor, my chiropodist, my herbalist. Yeah, or, well, look, we met with ABC haulage. They're cheaper, faster, and better. What makes you different? So they chuck all these things at you to prevent a decision. But they're not done with you. So what do they do now? They ask you to do something for them at this point, don't they? What do they ask you to do normally in B2B? You couldn't send us a quote or a proposal or you couldn't put mm -hmm. in writing everything you've just done. So you'll call it a quote or a proposal. I call it, would you document your stupidity for us? <laughs> Are you willing to go away and put into paper everything you spent the last hour telling us with all the pricings and the timings? I need that document. And you think, great, got an opportunity. You go back to the office, you send us off. And then what happens more often than not, they just disappear. They completely hide. You can't get a hold of them. And then you're reduced to vermin. I bet your people are watching us now. How many of you watching this are chasing someone right now and you're calling from a different phone number so they don't know it's you? <laughs> That's right. How many of you are calling at odd times to catch them off guard? Yeah, they've reduced you to vermin. <laughs> and yet... A week ago, they couldn't tell you how much they love you. Why do they Why do they do that? Because I got what I wanted from you. I was never going to buy from you. We'd already made a decision. We just needed your quote to get a better price for our existing supplier. We just needed your information to prove that we're going to, or we're actually going to do this ourselves. But you've just proven to us that we can do it because we asked you all the questions we needed help with. So they use you. But every now and then, one of them pays out. And so salespeople just go through that process over and over again. And that's where phrases like, it's a numbers game. You've got to be in it to win it. All that shit was created by losers. Actually, it wasn't by losers. Do you know who created all those sayings? you got to be in it to win it. It's a numbers game. Who? Lottery. They're jingles for the lottery. Oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> sure enough. Because that is what selling is for most salespeople. It's a lottery. They show up, they throw up, and they hope. Yep. My job is to stop all of that. It's very hard to get out of, though. Very hard to stop doing. Yeah, and I think without a system or process, which you had mentioned, um, you're going in with a game plan that's not there. And you're right, the prospect has a game plan because they've been trained and sought their whole life to shut you down. 
yeah. get you out of that conversation, answer the call and be like, fuck, why did I answer this call? How do I get this guy off the phone? Which, you know what? One of my favorite cold call lines I borrowed from you is the, uh, you know, you address it head on essentially, right? Oh, yeah, the opener. Oh, yeah. You, the whole, you know, hey, has Ben there? Yeah. Hey, Ben, this, you know, hey, you're not going to like this call. This is a sales call. So, you know, you can hang up on me right now or give me 30 seconds and I'll tell you why I'm calling. I, I found that actually it's pretty effective in, in the is. breakdown of psychology that you broke it down with and the context that you broke each yeah. segment down with and why it works. It does work, especially with alphas and type A and, oh, yeah. and like C-suite level employees, right? When you phone up someone who's authoritative and used to making decisions and right. calling the shots, when you go in with that, I'll be up front as a sales call, do you want to hang up? Yep. Let me, that do you want to hang up there they're in a rebellious kid goes fuck you don't you tell me yeah, what to do right. so you your instinctive reaction is to say no <laughs> yeah and i do it i'm manipulating them they think they're in control but actually i did that yeah and you it's got fun. them to say or get no and that no equates power to them because they just dictated that decision it's much easier to get a no from someone than a yes as well mm -hmm. yeah because a yes there's uncertainty with what I'm saying yes to. What am I committing to? So I was working with a company, and um, the only way they could um, they could only phone people if they'd been on their website and downloaded something. It's a it's a regulation within their industry. Okay. So then they would phone these people up, and they do what everyone in this situation would do. They'd phone them up and go, oh, "Hi, um, we help couldn't but help knows you've been on our website and you downloaded our document on blah blah blah," and you hear the reticence in the person. Uh, even though they just, uh, yeah, even though they yeah, just downloaded it, even like, though that they don't want it, because <laughs> yeah. what am I, what am I saying yes to here? And I said, well, no wonder that's not working because you're trying to get them to say something that's uncomfortable. Do you know, it's easy to get no. So then I flipped it. I said, let's do it this way, and they've had huge success. They phone up now. They go, hi, um, Cameron. I couldn't help but notice you downloaded uh, the white paper from our website on XXX. Can I ask you a question? Was that a mistake? Oh. And they go, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. So suddenly, no, no, no. Oh, okay. Well, and then they can carry on the rest of the conversation. So, so many people. Now, that, now what phoned me up was really funny. They said, some people are saying yes, but we know they can't have because you've got to put in a lot of details. <laughs> yeah, it's just. And I go, well, well, some people are fucking with you. And, and so, so how would you deal with it? I said, I know what I'd do. I said, are you sure? Because I think you've been hacked then. Someone's using your name and details to download. Are you sure? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, maybe. I, yeah, and they start to backtrack, right? <laughs> maybe I did. I can't remember. Well, look, if you don't want to have the call, just tell me now and I'll hang up. It's fine. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's too easy. Yeah, that's. I think that's great. How would you approach? Have you dealt or trained anyone in the freight industry, such as freight brokers or trucking companies or anyone like that? Or, or how would you approach that? Let's say you're uh, either a trucking company that's trying to get a, a contract with a direct shipper shipping Coca Cola or something, or maybe you're a freight broker that moves freight and you get paid by finding the people that need the freight moved. So you're going to call on them, right? What would be your steps or the process in order to maybe get those doors opened and your your you know find success in that lane? Right. Well, without any industry specific knowledge on that, uh, the thing with anything is 
when you're prospecting, you're trying to find people who could have a reason or a motivation to want to do something different. Right. So I, I take I use the example of my um, cell phone, as you'd say in America, right? Yeah. The odds of somebody phoning me up today and saying, Benjamin, I'm from ABC Telecoms. I can offer you a brand new phone. I can half your bill. I can offer you this, 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 and this. Do you want to sign up today? And my answer would be, even if that's cheaper than no. what I've got here, would yeah. be no. Yeah. Why? Well, because I'm happy with this. There's, there's nothing currently wrong with my service or my provider. I'm never going to try. And then if you suddenly said, but we could do it for half price. See, that doesn't sell it to me. So how can you provide exactly the same level of service at half price? See, now I'm suspicious. Why would I swap absolute certainty with which I'm happy for uncertainty just to save 20 quid a month? Yep. So you can't get people to move. But as is a true story, I did once change phone when someone had phoned me up. Because that morning, this is going back years, I had been prospecting. And on two occasions whilst prospecting, my phone signal had cut out. Yes. And the calls went dead. Now, by a miracle, somebody phoned me that afternoon offering phone services. Normally, you tell them to F off. But I thought, no, I've actually had a shitty experience this morning with my phone provider. I'll hear you out. And I listened to him, and he said this and that. And I listened to him, and I get to the end of his call, I said, I'll tell you what, I said, I'm in. Let's do it. You could hear the elation, you know, the excitement in this, this really? loud voice. Really? <laughs> And he's like, you know, oh, my God, someone just said yes. I mean, no one says yes. And I said, look, before we move on to the next step, though, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, why am I buying from you? And he said, well, because we're going to give you 10 gigabytes of data. We're, we're going to increase your minutes to unlimited, and we're going to save you. So I said, no, 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 no. This has got nothing. I said, as far as I know, you're going to be as equally as shit as my current supplier. But what I do know is that from the end of this phone call, those bastards at ABC won't be getting any more of my money. I'm switching because of spite. Nothing you've offered. And this is the same in all sales. If you're selling in a service which is highly competitive, as trucking would be, you're going to have to figure out, if I had to buy trucking services or haulage services, what would an existing supplier have done or be doing that kind of irritates, frustrates, or pisses me off? And then you're going to go in at that angle. Now, the problem is, is most people you talk to won't recognize it because most will be relatively happy. Yeah. Just like your customers. I guarantee everyone that's trying to poach your customers, you're hoping, they're all saying, no, we're very happy with ABC haulers. They do a great job. They're absolutely, and that's what you want. Yet you get pissed off when you phone someone up and they say that to you about a competitor. So some people actually do deliver what they say, but not all. If you right. So prospecting is about finding them. It's just like COVID. I don't know when you're going to have COVID, but I know the symptoms of COVID. So I'm going to phone up and ask you, do you have ABC symptom? If you say no, I say, fuck you, I'll move on to the next one. Yep. But I could phone you back in two weeks and ask the same thing. And you go, well, actually, I do have a bit of a sore throat. Ah, now we've got something. Maybe we go. So that when you're selling it, so I work with packaging companies. They sell packaging. So it's as close to haulaging as you can get. You know, we sell wrapping for hauling stuff. Yep. Very competitive industry. Very, They say it's price-driven until you get better at selling, and it's not. Price is very rarely the reason why anyone buys anything. 
I will pay more for better service, better delivery, better security, better safety. But price is the one thing I know I can beat you up on as a salesman because it's the one thing they find the hardest to deal with. Well, why are you so expensive? Or our other suppliers, our existing suppliers, cheaper. Which now, is if they got no other problem, probably a lie, but yes, <laughs> probably a lie. Yes, right. it is. Yeah, and then so you can challenge. I, I, I'm confused. If they're so good, why do you have these problems then? Why are you able to recognize anything that I could discuss? So again, you need to figure out what would someone who buys our service be pissed off, irritated, frustrated, annoyed with that we know. Then we phone up and we talk about that. We don't find hi, my name's Benjamin from ABC Haulage. Well, what we'd just love to get in front of you. We just want to introduce ourselves. Um, I'm pretty sure we're quite competitive. Can I come and see you, please? Fuck off. You know, I got better things to do with my life than there. Yeah? But if you phone them up and say, look, we work with a lot of haulage companies, often they're frustrated because deliveries can be delayed. Others are annoyed that when packages arrive on occasions, they've arrived damaged or that the wrapping has been of a, um, a poorer standard or blah, blah, blah. But you're yeah, going to tell yeah. me you've never experienced any of that. And if they say, well, no, I can recognize a couple of those, then now I've got an in. The yeah. question is, is it big enough to justify you doing something about it? I won't know that until we have a meeting. But if you say, no, no, I recognize those symptoms. Well, let's have a bit more of a chat. And if it makes sense to meet in person, then let's do it. So you've got to know what you fix. That's the problem most salespeople have. They don't know what they fix. They know what they do. They know why they do it. They know how they do it. They know what they do. But what do you fix? What would someone who doesn't know you're the solution be bitching or moaning about? And they yeah. don't know you're the answer. That's what you got to figure out when selling. I think you... people become susceptible to then vomiting what they do good onto yes. the prospect, right? They're going to then tell you, and I see this all the time, we do this and we can do this better. And th this is the value we add and da, 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 which they not one time figured out what the actual problem was. They went straight into trying to give a solution without fully understanding. Even if this prospect said, I do have, I recognize that and I do have this problem. I think most salespeople jump on that and try to. Yeah, well, we can fix that. We, we can, we can right. deliver it. Which and is that's what yeah, I, I haven't it. said it's big enough to fix, though. I've just said I reckon it's a symptom. Right. 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 So a good salesman, if they're smart, my job now is to try and convince you it's not a problem, which is hard. Yep. So then I'm going to say, well, when you say your packaging turns up late, that doesn't happen a lot, though. That's maybe only happened once or twice this year. Because he may say, yeah, it has only happened. So let me ask you a question. If it's only happened once or twice. It's not really a problem. It's just the odd fuck up, right? And if everyone screws up. And then they may go, okay, you know, I go, but it's not just that. That's when they start. Because if they got one problem, there's normally another one. Or they'll say, no, you're right. It is just a one-off. I go, so why do you care? Well, the cost of the two incidents cost us a small fortune. Well, when you went back to your existing supplier, you said, hey, guys, are you going to compensate us for this loss? What did they say? And then they only say one of two answers, I didn't actually do that, or we did do that. If they say I didn't do it, I go, well, why the hell not? Uh, well, no, now you put it. Well, what do you think they would have said? Well, they would have, yeah. So you've got to get them to start to see. Yeah. So I challenge everything. And that's the other problem. Salespeople don't challenge. Yeah, so when somebody says I've got a problem, you got to tell. Well, why is I don't understand? Can you give me an example of what you mean by your stuff gets damaged? Yeah, we had a delivery last week. Pallet came in, uh, half the stuff in it was broken. Yeah, but that doesn't happen a lot. 
more often than not, more often than not means once, twice, three times a month, about twice a month. Well, when you complain to your existing carrier about it, what did they do? Well, you know, they said they'd fix it. Well, I guess that must have worked. Well, no, because I've damaged it again. So can I ask you a blunt question? Yeah. How long are you going to put up with this before you tell them to fuck off? Uh, I don't know. No, come on, you must know. What's your biggest fear if you tell them you don't want to work with them? And then you can go, well, well they do this for us, they do that. You know, some people are blocked into contracts out of fear. Right. <laughs> Got to challenge. Got to challenge everything. Yeah, I think that's uh, sound advice. So what is your opening, like what's your go-to opening line or cold call pitch right now? Because right now, especially coming out of COVID, I think we we were doing a lot of phone sales, cold calls prior to a lot of videos and Zoom. But now I think a lot of the sales forces kind of adopted that. They're still doing in-person. It's all super effective. But when you pick up and phone up somebody, nine times out of 10, they don't answer. But if they do answer, it's like, oh, fuck, Benjamin called. It's like, why did I answer this call? <laughs> like, they're pissed off now, right? They, they, they're they now mad that they picked up the phone um, and you might be a good solution. But what's a way that you cut through that get the opportunity, get the pitch, and let them hear you out to at least see, hey, do they have a problem that I'm a solution for? So there's no one solution. There are multiple ones, and depending on the sector. So I, so phoning in the haulage industry, then, what's the general reaction? Who You'd be phoning, what, an operations director? Or... So, like, for me personally, I run a freight and transportation insurance brokerage. So I call... Oh, your insurance. insurance. Right, you're, so you're... if you don't want to talk to me, I just say, hey, I sell insurance, and people shut up real quick. They, like, quit, they quit talking to you. Nobody wants to talk to an insurance guy. So that's yeah. a challenge. I guess let's go with that. If you can help me overcome that and say, hey, I sell insurance, and then they still don't hang up on you. Well, that's a win. <laughs> that is a win. So you could, you could start with it. Uh, uh, so I could phone, I say, Cameron, I'll be up front. If I told you this was about insurance, would a little piece of you die? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, 100%. and you get a little chuckle, right? Uh, and you get people go, oh, yes. And you go, well, before you hang up, can I ask you one quick question? Yeah, why does everybody say that? And then what happens is they have a chance to vent and tell you how much they hate when they finish venting, venting's like a good vomit. You yeah. feel better. Right. So I was working with currency. I still do. Currency traders. They, these guys are on the phones all day. You phone up anyone in finance, and the first thing out of their mouth is, is this about currency? So they started adopting that line. If I told you it was, would a little piece of you die? Like, yes. Can I ask why everyone says it? Oh. Do you know how many calls I get a week from guys like you? And it doesn't matter how many times you tell them we're not interested, we're happy. They just keep calling. I go, that must be frustrating. It is. I go, well, look, if the next 30 seconds are different, will you hear me out? And then a lot were saying, well, you already sound different. As long as you phone up and start off sounding different, you're more likely to get into a conversation. Uh, if I told you, uh, I'll be up front, this is a sales call. Do you want to hang up? Well, let me have 30 seconds and then decide. That's a very popular one. It works very well. Um, another one is uh, if I told you if I told you this was about insurance, would you hang up? Yes, fair enough. I won't say that then. <laughs> well, what's it about? <laughs> if I told you it's about protecting your property from damage, how about that then? Yeah. So you, all I want is enough. If I can get a little chuckle, it means I've got the inner child come out. And if yeah. I get the inner child to come out, we might be able to play just for a bit longer. And that's all I want. Well, we have to play just for, I want to deliver my pitch. I want you to let me say my pitch. 
And if at the end of it you reject what I fix, I'll take that. If you don't have these problems, then I can't work with you anyway. Yeah. Just there's no point. No, and that's, I think that's good. And yeah, in the freight industry, you know, they usually have a lane or a need or they're trying to move a certain type of freight in certain regions. And so it's similar, but I know that if you can come up with a pitch to sell insurance, you could yeah, sell it's, freight. <laughs> it's all the it's same. It's very easy. Yeah. I mean, this is why I could work in any sector or any yeah. industry yep. because human beings buy the same way, regardless of what they're buying. We buy emotionally and justify intellectually. That doesn't matter yep. if you're buying toothpaste through to haulage services. Yeah. Yeah. So once you understand that, you just structure your conversations around it. And I've worked in virtually every industry. I don't know what 99% of my clients do, yet I can still make phone calls on behalf of it. Yeah. Because you don't need to know anything to ask good questions to get someone to realize maybe we do have a problem. Yeah. Now, do you have a. Uh, prescription for, I know you say it's a numbers game and this and that, but like salespeople that have goals and it's like, I want to make $250,000 this year. And like a sales trainer or or a manager is typically going to say, okay, you need to make 20 calls a day, 50 calls a day. You're going to do this. You'll close this. You can make that. Right. And I've, I've fallen guilty to that as well. It's like, I think it's a way for people to track numbers and just log numbers. Yeah. Um, but what do you do when you come in just a glimpse? Like we don't have to um, like yeah. give it no, away no, well, or anything but like what's a thing, glimpse yeah the first thing you need to do is you got to measure what matters not what looks good okay so um i've, I've got into companies and i've said so how's it work here they go well our guys are targeted with they have to be on the phone for 180 minutes a day okay and i go why and i said well that's what they tell you so i know that's what why uh well, because it means they're talking to people. I can, well, I know that, but what what do you what, what do you want to have happen in those conversations? And I go, well, obviously, talk time tells us that they're talking to people. I said, what sort of behavior do you think setting a for talking would encourage? Better calls? No. Think about it. You got to talk for 180 minutes a day. What are you going to start doing with your conversations? You're going to have long, drawn-out, pointless conversations to hit a pointless metric. Yep. So you've got to measure what matters. Dials is irrelevant. You can dial 100 companies and not get through to anyone. That's not a good measure. Well, he did 100 dials. Well, good for the retard. He didn't talk to anyone. Right? So you've got to measure what matters. And so for me, I do something similar, but it's on things that matter. So I would work out, I want to make 250K. My average order is, say, 25. So I need to have 10 successful deals a year. What's my close rate at final meeting? Say 50%. I go, so I need 20 final meetings a year. How many second meetings, in my experience, go on to final? Let's do half again. So I need 40 second meetings to get 20 final meetings to get 10 sales. Okay. So now the next one. To get 40 second meetings, how many first meetings do I need? Let's say 80. Okay, 80. So that means I need to get in front of 80 decision makers over the next 12 months. And well, that sounds like a lot. Hold up, break it down. Take two months holiday. So let's say, I know you Americans only get two weeks, but for the math, it's a lot easier. <laughs> in England, you get a lot more holiday. So let's say two. So two months of the year, you're off on holiday. So, you got to, so that means I've got to have eight meetings a month. You know, that's two meetings a week. 
Now that gets more manageable. How many people do I have to talk to at a decision-making level to get one to say yes to me? Let's do the one in 10. So for every one meeting, I need to talk to 10 decision-makers. That means to get 80 meetings, I need 800 decision-makers. 800 over a year, is over 10 months is 80 a month. That's 20 a week. That's four a day. That was my metric. I had to talk to four managing directors or CEOs every day. That was it. As soon as I'd hit my four, regardless of whether or not I got a meeting, I could finish prospecting. That could have taken five dials because I could have got through four for four, back in a row, bang, bang, bang. Some days it could take a hundred dials. Some days it could take two. The goal was you have to have four conversations at Decision Maker a day. Love that. By the end of the week, I will have had 20. And if I've got no meetings from 20 conversations, it means one of two things. Either what I'm saying doesn't resonate or how I'm saying it is wrong. Those can be fixed. You don't have to wait a month to know someone's not going to hit target. At the end of week one, well, you've spoken to 20 people, so you're definitely doing the behavior. I'll give you that. You're doing the actual work, but whatever you're saying or how you're saying it isn't working. So now we can listen to you, listen to your calls, and figure out what you're doing wrong. And then you go and change it. So in week two, you'll be better than week one. And that is how it's done. It's not, I'm going to make $100 today. No. Work out your own metric. But mine was four a day. And once I'd had my four, I'd be done. I don't have to do any more prospecting for today. And eventually, I would get the two or three meetings a week. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And then I would get on the meetings and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So you measure what matters. That's the important thing. Uh, don't measure vanity, talk time, dials, proposals. I know a guy that would make money never doing a demo. But his company insisted he do a demo because he's measured on them. Why? People are buying without the demo. But it looks good to shareholders to say we do 300 demos a year. <laughs> it's amazing Man. most businesses make money when you dig beneath the hood. Yeah. And I think oh, sales is such a great industry. It really is. Because if you want to be good, it, it doesn't take much to shine. Um, speaking of which, so where can people find you, follow you, learn more if they want to connect for maybe like sales training or consulting services to get you hired? Where should people go look? Okay. So obviously YouTube, uh, if you put in um, my name or UK's most hated sales trainer, ironically, I have a website called UK's with an S, most hatedsalestrainer.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't know how many truckers hang out on LinkedIn. Probably not a lot. But if you are yeah, freight about workers, it, though. Truck freight, stop freight, freight professionals do. There are some. Freight professionals. Well, I've never met one on LinkedIn. So if you are a freight yeah. professional, feel free to reach out. I don't have a problem with that. I'll connect with anyone. I have no prejudice. I'll connect. I don't care what industry you're in or what you do. I'll connect with you because it's all free advertising to me. Yeah. So LinkedIn. UK's most hated sales trainer.com or YouTube, UK's most hated sales trainer. I am on LinkedIn and Inst Instagram and all that crap as well. Instagram. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's the other one? X and the other one. Oh, they all keep changing names. I don't know, man. You yeah. got to have some energy. I'm on all of them. It's not hard to find me. I mean, yeah, you say idiot and red hat, you'll get me or Trump. One <laughs> of the two. 
Oh man, I love it. Um, Benjamin, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time and it is not hard to connect with him. I'm on the West coast and he's in England and here we are connected. So I appreciate yeah. you staying a little bit late. I don't know what late is to you, but I know it's after 6 hours. For now, 6 PM here. So. Yeah. So I really do appreciate it. Um, and I encourage everybody to go follow him, level up your sales game. This will help elevate you guys and your business and get you the money you guys want, the lanes, the relationships, all the freedom and all the different things you want to train your sales team. I highly encourage to go check out Ben. He, he'll be awesome. So Benjamin, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you uh, asking me on. Yeah, love it. All right, everyone, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'll put the uh, his contacts and uh, website and everything in the show notes. You guys can go connect with him. Until next time, we appreciate you. Truckers, we appreciate what you guys do every day. Thank you, guys.